Okay, Mr. Hashem is Bora. Hashem Leicha, how's everybody doing today? Oh, can you come a little closer? Because I, I, mean, I have a terrible voice. I mean, I want you know, it's already bad enough as is. Can you imagine if I speak that much farther? You know, we're going to learn about the, the koyach of a voice in this week's Parsha. It's actually Indian. Lay more, lay more. Lay more. Oh, oh. It's a you know, listen. Dvir, someone whose name is, is Dvir, Milashim Dibor, you know, it's a big Indian, it's a, to be able to speak, to be able to talk. As the, as the Parsha says, Vayidaber Hashem El Moshev El Aaron Lemar, Zois Chukasa Torah, Shatsiva Hashem Lemar, Dabber Bishol, Vayichu Elecha Para Duma Tamima, Shaidba Moma Shale, Olo Ale, Oil. This is Parsha, Parsha Chukas, Yadua, but number one, it starts off the Para Duma. Just the one Ha'ara, just on the Parsha. Rashi tells us something very interesting here. It's quoting from a medrash. Lefi, why is it called chukas, right? We know there's a, there's a distinction between different types of mitzvahs. There's one particular type of mitzvah called a choyk. So what is the definition of a choyk? How do you define a choyk? So a choyk means a, like a, 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 a mitzvah without a reason. So this, I want to talk, I want to talk about this particular issue. So you have, there's many different types of mitzvahs that we have that, that we don't have the time for. The, the spitz, the absolute prime example that's used is by para aduma. However, though, something very interesting over here. Rashi says, why is zois chukas ha-tayra? Lefish ha-satan, this is the first Rashi in the parasha. Since the satan, ve'uma sa'olam, moinin es Yisrael. They come, there's a, lot, there's a word in Yiddish called tuman. You know what tuman means? You know, it's very, for sure. Yeah, tuman is uh, to, to push somebody about it. No, what do you say? What do you say? So the goyim and the satan comes to us and says, no, what's the reason by this mitzvah? What is this ridiculous mitzvah? Why is it that it's metame? It's a it makes zero sense. Do we push you and nag you and drive you crazy? What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? Have you thought about this for two seconds? Oh, so therefore, lefichach kosav b'chuka. Hashem uses the terminology chuk. Chuka is into be chuk. Is into what? Is into make a roshim to make a very strong line. It's a gzera pot, Hashem speaking. It's a gzera in front of me. You don't have permission to think about it. Okay, so first of all, what is going on this, Rashi? I don't understand it at all. Because number one, I hate to break it to you. If I tell you to right now, don't think of a purple monkey. You just did it. can't believe it. You're a ridiculous person. What's wrong with you? I told you not to do it. Pig elephant. Pig elephant. I picked the wrong person. Pig elephant. You just thought about it. Isn't that true? How does it help that Moyne, that Goyim, and the, and, and the, and the Goyim of the Southern are going to come and be Moyne and Israel? They're going to push you and, 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 and drive you nuts. What's up, Shad Mitzvah? Why is it this Mitzvah? And all of a sudden, huh, I don't think about it. Aim the Chorashus Larachare. Oh, what does it mean? No, to wonder after it, to think about it. Oh. Honestly, so there's a very interesting terminology. You know, you know, I want to redefine the term what we call choyk. A choyk is not a mitzvah without a reason. No, we as Jews, we as Eden believe it's not the pshat. The concept of a choyk is, it's called super logical. You've heard this term before? Super logical, which means it's logic above logic. Not that it makes zero sense. You know, Lahavdu by the Christians, they have a concept called, right? They have a concept called Thomas Aquinas, he. He, 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 created, he had this thing, no, but he has a Latin term for it. It's called credo quae absurdum. You know what that means in Latin? It's true because it's crazy. Right? <laughs> credo, it is true. Credo is from, the, from, from uh, credo, literally the word credo, which is a faith or a belief or truth. 
specifically? Quai absurdum. What's absurdum? Obviously from absurd. The fact that it's absurd is what makes it so true. You're telling me that a, that a random guy in the middle of the Galilee, right, was, you know, his mother had an immaculate relationship with, with God. He then now has like these weird superpowers. And uh, he's able to turn fish, I don't know, what, water into, water into wine or bread into fish? I don't know what he did. But the point is, right, and you're telling me that he's the Messiah and he died for all of our sins. That makes zero sense. That makes zero sense. You'd be like, hey, exactly. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It was shook and guns. Maybe good novel. You know what? It sounds like, you know, the Havdil, they have these, uh, these movies, and I'll talk about it. There's something called, uh, you know, like, uh, I remember when I was a kid, it's something called like Spider Man. Superman, I don't believe this is that, right? It's, it's, a, it's the original version of this. Credo, quite absurd, because it makes no sense, it's exactly why it's true. We don't believe that. We believe a choik, the fact that it's exactly not because oh, it makes no sense, therefore it's true. It's we understand there's a logic behind the logic. There's a logic above the logic. And that's what it means, because there's a certain hachna, there's a certain level of anivas that a person has to have to understand there's things that are above my pay grade. And everybody has to get to that point in life to be like, you, may, you're not, you don't know. Could you give reasons? Could you offer a suggestion? 100%. Go for it. And you take a look at this. If Rechinov gives explanations, and a lot of them say, they say, every Sefer gives that explanation. But to think that that's the reason, that we don't know. But and that's the that, reason. It's just that we don't know. And, but here's the problem. It's interesting. Is that what is it worth being told? Don't engage with the Goyim and with Satan. Why? Because we have a different conception of reality with them. For them, they need to have everything... It's either they turn off their brain, right? This because that's literally what, by definition, of Christianity is. They turn off their brain, or they need to know exactly the reason why. There's no middle point of nuance of actually being able to live with the knowledge. You hear that? That's what Klai Yisrael is saying. Hashem is saying to Klai Yisrael, which is, Satan and the Umas come to him and say, "I don't understand. Explain it to me." And it makes no zero sense. So the answer is either, either say, "Okay, I accept it without knowing, blind faith," or accept it 100. percent You have to know exactly the reason why. You can't have this middle point where Hashem says, understand hachna in this world, there's things that you know, there's things you don't know. Yish gavul. Hashem knows, you don't have to know. You don't have the ability to think about it, because we don't have the kayak to do it. Okay. Speaking of, just in, in terms of things we don't understand, there's another aspect of this Baisha that I wanted to talk about. It says later on, as we know, what the second most famous thing about this Baisha is the fact that uh, Klal Yisrael is in the Midbar, and what happened after Miriam passed away? After Miriam was the Ferris, what ceased? Oh, the Be'er Miriam. The Be'er that, that, that was Malavah them, that carried them throughout the entire time they were in the Midbar, they, la- they lost their source of water. And Klaistro comes and they're frustrated, and as we've seen many times before, they start arguing. At least they got a little bit firmer, by the way. They say, why do you bring the kahila of God? So they've already accepted. Before it was arguments on God, like God came to kill us. Luke, you know, like, like they at least were complaining of, you know, with that, as a separate entity from Akash Baruch But now at least they got firmer. They say, why do you bring the kahal of Hashem here to kill us? A complete that Moshe. It's interesting. Why did you bring us this terrible, disgusting, no good place where there's no zera, te'ino, gefen, verimoin, umayim, ein lishto? By the way, it's funny. They're just at, they're technically only needed water, but you know, when you're a complainer, you complain about everything. Because it's, it's not just they're, they're asking for water, they ask also for te'ino, for gefen, verimoin. We also had by the kishuyim, avatichim, we had earlier in the previous parsha, right? They were complaining about having, you know, having a, 
It depends on how exactly you touch each of those different things. But they were saying, oh, we Rashi says, wait a minute, whoa, whoa, whoa. If they didn't give you cash for Tevin and Mitzrayim, the most simple, basic building blocks, you think they just opened a buffet and said, all you can eat, everybody, go for it. All you can eat. So it says Rashi, it was, she- it was Sheker. They were referring to something else. All the different parts which I explain, what, is, what are they referring to this free fish they were getting in Mitzrayim? Okay. Some of the said, I think Ibn Ezra says they used to get paid in fish. The point is, is that it's funny. Fine. Fish they may have gotten. Fish they may have gotten. Hold on. Rashi is Rashi's bothered by the fact that maybe fish they got. But the one thing that they didn't get was for sure they were not getting avatia. They were sure not getting there, sitting there eating a, a shluk. Right? That's for sure not. So what's, what's the pshat? Pshat is when you complain, you start complaining about things even that aren't real. That's the idea. That's what a complainer is. Don't be a complainer. Anyway, Kleisrael is complaining. I want to get to the point over here. Kleisrael is complaining. They come before this big stone, and Hashem says to Moshe, Go, and what do you do? And hit the rock. I'm sorry, I apologize. No, no, go and speak to the rock. Yeah, oh, I was just making sure you're paying attention, yeah? Sorry, because I looked at the letter Take the matter. In front of them. The Nasamema of the water is going to come out, is going to give them water, and obviously what happens later, as we know what happens later. Vayar Moshe picks up his hand, and he hits the rock with his, with his stick, twice. It's amazing, it actually worked. It's amazing. Hashem tells him to speak to the rock. And Hashem, it's always interesting too, because you could ask, why is it that, uh, that Hashem allowed the rock to give forth water? I mean, the fact that he hits. If Hashem told him, go speak to the rock, and obviously was upset if you would hit the rock, why would then it work if you hit the rock instead of speaking to the rock? That's kind of what I want to touch on right now. So Rashi tells us that Hashem is very upset. When the Pasuk says Hashem is very upset. So Rashi says, You didn't, look, behold, you didn't believe in me. You didn't trust me. In order to sanctify my name, before the entire nation of Israel. Oh. Rashi says, what's the opportunity that could have been to make a kid Hashem Shemayim, to make a kid Hashem? Rashi says something amazing. If you had simply spoken to the rock and it came forth, and it came forth with water, it would have been totally 100% sanctified in front of their eyes. What would have been the sanctification? Klaus would have made a personal chajman. They would have said, It's an inanimate object. It doesn't speak. It doesn't do. It doesn't even listen. For sure, it doesn't need or require support from any, from any above power. But still, it's It has no inherent vested interest to listen to you, and it still listens to Hashem. That we, we do need Hashem's sustenance. Hashem, we do need a t- you to take care of us. For sure, Kavachoymer, if you, we would be told, we should also listen. Wow, amazing. So you see, an inanimate object does Hashem's Ratzon, so too we should do Hashem's Ratzon. So there's an inherent question here that a person has to ask, which is, wait a minute. You couldn't make that same Kavachoymer, even if, it, meaning, even if you hit the rock, they can't make a Kavachoymer. You see, an inanimate object does Ratzon Hashem, a miraculous fact of a rock, is get, gets, hit, gets hit and it gives out water, so, so to us. 
We're uninanimate. We're it's a rhetorical question. We're, on, we're inanimate. So, I mean, we should also listen to Rasul Hashem. Well, you're right. Maybe there's some little beautiful chil- But the point is, it did work. And secondly, they can see that a miraculous thing happened. And that's being the kind of Divine Hashem. When Moshe tells you what to do, you're not going to listen. When Moshe hits you, you're not going to listen. Uh, yeah, that's the whole problem. You're not going to listen. You're not going to listen. That doesn't make sense. What doesn't make sense? Me, I've been here the cashier before the Turuts. Before the Turuts. Meaning, seriously, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, the Kavachimer could still be made. Meaning, yeah, the, 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 the Kiddush Hashem. You want, you want to make up a new thing? Fine, Beseder. I agree with you. But, that, no, no, but the idea is, is that what is the inherent point? The Kavachimer is, is that in an Abin object, that's what, that's what Rashi is selling on. From the fact that it's Eno Shomeya, Eno Madabe. It doesn't speak and it doesn't do, and it still does Rats and Hashem. Who cares what avenue you do it? Adraba, you speak to the rock, it doesn't even hear it. So it's not clearly through the action of speaking and or the action of talking to the rock that actually matters. So why is it the fact that you hit it, it should be any less of a Kiddush Hashem? You hear the Kasha I'm asking, Avi? It's, it's, it's inanimate, who cares? If you, if you, whether, whether you speak to it you or speak to you hit it, it, it's, it's not inanimate. less miraculous so, so that an animate object is able to pour forth water. What do you say? In Bishallah, there was already a hitting, and there was water that came out. Okay. So we're holding in a different stage in life now. Okay. We're holding in a different stage. I hear. Okay. So one part is, one part is that Adi. So one part is that Adi was trying to suggest, which Baruch Hashanah, which is the idea is that number one, there's no kunz, there's no special you know, thing. You can get your kid to do something by hitting them. Right? That's not called parenting. That's called being a police officer and getting your kid to do something. The kunz, the special, <laughs> what actually requires chinuch is creating a communication with them. Is actually creating a connection with them and then through that connection, not to just they want to, because not every kid wants to do what you want. I've learned it from experience. I'm sure we've all learned from experience. But you understand that you're creating a structure of understanding. That this person, that this child ultimately knows that they want to have a connection with, with their father and they want to make their parents happy. That's one level. There's other levels above that and below that too. But that's one aspect of it. But I want to suggest something a little bit more. The Meshe Chachma on this expiration speaks speaks about the idea that why is it specifically this, this um, imprint, this, this very, very meduktakite of that it should be that Meshe Abenu is speaking to the rock rather than hitting the rock. Why should it be speaking? Now we understand many years, many years later, but for us, there are later. What parasha was last week's parasha? Parasha's parasha. Meaning, the entire attack on Moshe Abedin was that he, is that he was badu mitzvah miliba, that he's making up mitzvahs. That his very own words don't mean anything. You're right, we had already the, the test between Korach and the and the Torahs, and then later the Mata Aaron, which proves Aaron is right. But we, we need to still retain that image, retain this perspective. That Hashem is medaber mitoich groin Hashem Moshe. That Hashem speaks literally through the very throat of Moshe. That, that element, together with the other point we said before, which is that Hashem wanted to make sure that the chinuch lesson that we're getting here is two aspects here. Number one, that when we do the ratzon Hashem, when we're following Yachadish Baruch Hu's ratzon, it's not stemming from a fear. It's not stemming from an intense reaction, oh my God, I'm going to get hit. That's not the relationship Hashem wants to have with us. It's also coming from the Gedal Yisrael. It also comes from the, the, the source of power, the source of the leaders of Klai Yisrael, which is Moshe Rabbeinu. In order to return that level of Moshe Rabbeinu back to Ma'amada, they should be Moshe Emes, Vesayrasa Emes, 
you know, in the song, what comes first? Hashem or Moshe? Moshe comes first, right? Not that we believe in God. Not that we believe in a man. We don't believe in God. But through the lens of the Torah, of the Gedalia Yitzvah, through the lens of our Rabbanim, through the lens of specifically our Rabbeinu, of Moshe Rabbeinu itself, in order to return back to that which is corrupted at the time of Korach. What did Korach destroy? That entire concept. That once it was introduced into the world, this idea of challenging of Moshe Rabbeinu. You know, it says something amazing. I don't know if you spoke about it, but in, in, in Parshas uh, Korach, I'm sorry, even further, further back, further back, I'm sorry, in Parshas Shlach, in Parshas Shlach, Moshe and Aaron, they respond very intensely to Kalei Yisrael. After the, the Meraglim, they hear the whole report. And the, the Meraglim give a whole intense story, the whole intense report. Now, it was even intended to, 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 fear, to, to cause fear among Kalei Yisrael. It says that, you know, Amalek, Yoshev Negev, Rashi says, why they mention Amalek, why? They already had experience with them. The Meraglim did it intentionally to scare Kalei Yisrael. So it's not a surprise that Kalei Yisrael gets scared. And what happens? We said previously, you came here to kill us. Hashem doesn't love us. He wants to... Very intense reaction. And then, they spoke to each other and they said, and they turned to each other and they said, oh, let's appoint a new leader and let's go back to Mitzrayim. Very intense. What's the next passage right after that? They fell on the floor. Yeshua Vakali, they tore Kriya. Very intense reaction. The fancy term for it in English is called visceral, a very visceral reaction. Right? They responded so intensely. And my question is at what stage of Kalisov's reaction was Mesh and Aram's response? Is it at the stage where they're complaining about Hashem wanting to kill them, that Hashem hates them, that Hashem wants to destroy them, that Hashem took them and tried to kill them and murder them? Is that the reaction? Or no? It was by the time when they turned to each other and said, Nitna Rosh Vashuva Mitzrayma. Maybe that's when Moshe and Aaron freaked out, to, you know, to use undelicate language, right? Is that what stage that they were reacting to? When they fell on the floor, was it in the fact that Klai Yisrael said, God wants to kill us? Or was it to the fact that V'nit Narosh V'neshuvah Mitzrayim? I suggest it was to the second point, of V'nit Narosh V'neshuvah Mitzrayim. The question is why? Well, they're scared to lose their jobs? They're scared to lose their jobs? Yeah, Moshe and Aaron, they're so selfish, they're scared to lose their jobs? No, no, no. The answer is, one mind, which is that is that when it says by Moshe Rabbeinu and Anara that they fell, it wasn't because they were scared to lose their jobs. It's because it's one thing to be scared. It's one thing to have your emotions take over you, to have an intense reaction. It's another to then take that reaction and to bring it Lamaisa, as Adi put it so nicely, which is it's to take it and to take your fear and to really build an entire hashkafa around it, a shita, to then say, okay, now practically let's go appoint a new leader. Let's go appoint a new leader, right? Right? To be able to, to think that that's like normal, to think even better, to let that fear convince you upon it, that you could you are the decider of who's the leader of Klal Yisrael. It's a very funny thing, you know. Some shuls in America they have like a committee that they hire a rabbi. Right? My father was an American rabbi for many many years. He said you always have to have your letter of resignation in your in your desk. There's other, there's other letters to it where, what? Because you, you can't be scared. Because you're going to come in, they're doing something awesome. As a rub, you're not, you shouldn't be allowing that. And the shul will say, okay, fine, so we, we don't need you. So get out of here. Who's the leader? The rub, who's the rub, who's the head, who's the tail? A lot of times, a lot of times, a lot of rabbanim, a lot of shuls, I apologize, will offer to help buy the house of the rub. And some, some rabbanim have, have said, have warned other you know, new graduates and say, new, new, new rabbanim and say, 
it's absolutely the dumbest thing you could possibly do to allow that much power from the shul, because what's going to happen? Anytime they want to do something which is slightly awesome, which Take is full bone awesome, yeah, there's always the threat looming behind you that uh, you're, you don't have kiyum. A rav needs to be loisa guru of the ish. You can't be scared of anybody. That's what Tamachachim, Tamachachim and a rav needs to be somebody who, again, to be smart, how to do it with their covet, with their chayad, their chinoyam, but to be strong with your values. So it's good to fight. Nid to think that we, as in the Amoinam, we decide who the leaders are, that's kfir. That needs to be responded to. Nid nerosh v'ashuvah mitzrayim, amoyish v'ipo moyishavarim. In order to return that concept back, it needed to be specifically, going back to Parshas Kulkas, it needed to be specifically that Moshe is the one that's deciding, that's speaking. It needs to be specifically to return that concept of who is the leader, who decides, where does the Koyach HaTorah come from? It comes from the Tamir HaChacham. So two things. Number one, in terms of Chinuch, how to respond, how to treat somebody, had to get somebody to do what you want. You know, among, among the progressives, it's something called progressive education. You guys heard of progressive education before? Right? It was started by, uh, by what? It, why? it doesn't sound good, right? Anytime you hear the word progressive, you already know. Yeah. yeah. They say like progressive cancer. You know, like, so like, it's progressively killing you, yeah? Okay, I don't know how that fits, but okay. Anyway, so we have an idea, which is that, which is that you, know, you have something called progressive, uh, which is that it used to be in my father's generation, even I'm sure all of your parents' generation, that the teachers would hit them, right? Some even worse. I know stories of a certain teacher would take like cords and like would hit their kids, would hit their students. That's not chinuch, because the truth is, you take a look. That's what happened in the old European system in in in, uh, in, in Europe, where the rebbeim, the the Rebbe used to hit the students very tough. The minute the the Jews were able to leave Europe, you know, after the war, or a little before the war, even. Most of the Jews that came to America, what was the first thing they had an opportunity to do? Threw the whole thing away. <laughs> they say that if you go down to, right now, into um, Ellis Island, on the, on the seabed, you're going to find tons and tons of tefillin. Why? Because it's a new world. What do you do in a situation where there's no one watching you, there's no one making sure what you're doing? You know, this is a big problem for yeshivas, that, they, that in high school they, they have something called a vecker. You know what a vecker is? Yiddish means to, ve- to count. A vecker is to wake you up in the morning. So what happens, they, that's in high school. As they get older, and they become 20, 21, they go to yeshiva, there's no vecker anymore. They expect to get up in the morning. They don't get up. Why? Because their whole life, they've been gevecht. Right? That's not normal. That's not... We, okay, it works for a period of time to build within you a certain hanhaga for yourself. But what happens when you're a married man, and you don't have that alarm clock, and your wife has been told already for many, many years, I'm not my husband's mashkiach. You have to be your own mashkiach. You have to be your own mashkiach. It's very hard, very difficult. But you can't be anymore. And now, you know what people do, unfortunately? It's worse than that. Because since they've been mechanech themselves the entire time, that it should be the yachas hasela, they're being hit, that other people have been kunko hitting them or forcing them and pushing them to do it, they then develop within themselves the push and the need. And sometimes not, not every stage of your life or you should be pushing and hitting yourself, figuratively. You need to learn how to also talk to yourself. V'yachas HaSel is not just in relation to other people and to our kids, it's in relation to ourselves. You have to understand that it's not just about hitting and getting yourself motivated. What worked for you when you were 17 years old doesn't work for you when you're 22. And when you're 22, it doesn't work when you're 35. At a certain point, 
It's, you have to adjust accordingly to who you are, where you are. You just have to hit harder. What? <laughs> <laughs> this, no, this is being recorded. I just want you to know. This is being recorded. Okay? <laughs> this is the Nakuda. This is the Yisait. The Yisait is a lot, there's a few different Inyan. In terms of speaking to ourselves, in terms of how to be Mechanech ourselves, when we say Chanel Chanar al Pidarkoi, that you know, one could be, one Pidarch Melitza say that there's a child within us, and we say, grow up. So you have to talk to that inner child within you to understand how you ha- what do you need. Some people gravitate to the idea of being tough and rough and beating themselves up because they secretly hate themselves. Because they secretly hate themselves. That's not healthy. A person needs to love themselves. You have to love them to put the toiva within you. You have to love within the neshama, the, you know, the aspect within inside yourself. And not to be scared of love. Love is not a scary thing. Acceptance is not a scary thing. Acceptance and, and, and knowing how to communicate with yourself. Where's Hashem? What is Inyan? But what Inyan is? Chuka, Shechokak, it's in front of us. In Roshos Lairachar. But we have to know there are answers. We may not know all the answers, but where's Hashem? Shem Wonderful Shabbos. Kol Tod.